The Godfather goes too far. Adult Swim is coming together, and a stuttering king takes home the gold this week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, uh, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine each week celebrating our favorite anniversaries of music, TV, video games, movies, and more. How about that? And it is our last show of the year. We are currently leaving these years. We are done talking about them. Uh, yep. that, how, how about that? I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm not the Antichrist. I'm only a malcontent who knows how to spell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's me, Sarah. I gotta thank our executive producer Steve Rowland and many other fine folks at patreon.com slash lasertime. You're getting a new sick of Star Wars this week as as well as a big old thirty twenty ten games where you go through the entire list of games from a previous month. Uh, with the Video Game Apocalypse Boys. Listen to that show every Friday. Oh man, okay. End of the year it is Christmas we're we're starting from December twenty fifth to the thirty first. Perfect Christmas to New Year's Eve thirty twenty ten. I'm loving this. So the next time you hear us, we will be talking about nineteen ninety one, two thousand one and uh, 2011. <laughs> it's not yeah. going to get me confused yeah, at all. Yeah, this is... Uh, I kind of split up some of our year-end wrap-up stuff mm-hmm. because we got a couple movies to talk about this week. Uh, as usual, i got to remind people we go with wide release dates, not actual debuts, because then we'd be talking about like 20 movies because so many things technically release on Christmas, but no one actually sees them until like the middle of January right. as we get into award season. So I thought, but I think next week we should talk about Sort of looking back on some of the movies of 1990, 2000, 2010, right. what it'll, we recommend. It'll be, a, it'll be a super light week. for there's Movies don't go up against New Year's. And can you imagine doing this show 10 years from now, what we're going to talk about, 2020 movies? And then oh, Sonic, Lord. and not a whole lot for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every trailer I see, I'm like, look up what was the original release date. Yep, it's a year late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coming, uh, Coming to America sequel just uh, dropped a trailer, and it's like, yeah, that was supposed to be out in April. Yeah. Wow, really? Mm. Yeah, it's it's absolutely Dang. insane. Um, and and and, and one, another thing I grabbed for this year, since it is we're technically celebrating Christmas here in, in terms of the podcast, I looked up the best selling Christmas gifts for the years, uh, the years awesome. that we're talking cool. about. That so, be interesting. yeah, so let's go, let's get on into it. Every week, if you don't know, if we weren't clear about this, we discuss a different decade 30, 20, and 10 years ago. We're in 2020 right now, so that'll be 1990, 2000, and 2010. Uh, we'll tell you all the big Christmas movies that came out during those three periods, but starting as always in 1990, we're covering December 25th through the 31st. And I love it when Diana does this. Marion Webster has added words to the dictionary this year. <laughs> I love this too. This is so, I'm going to totally geek out over this list. Uh, did you do that on yeah. purpose? Uh, I what? no, it's it's the end of the year, and it's it's really enlightening to find out like what's a new term that becomes popularly used, and when did it become added to the dictionary because it was popular enough, like big box store, or like Sarah just said, geek out. I didn't know if she was referencing what was to come, <laughs> or that was just random. Ew, I would never say that, real. <laughs> Yeah, that would be totally amazeballs. But uh, big, big balls, big box no. store, <laughs> big ball store, big box store. Um, that's a new one. What? What? Yeah. Would the rise of Walmart's made yeah. that possible? Because okay. Kmart's around say, forever. Yeah, but like Walmart, Target, right? Uh, even Home Depot. Yeah, the the mega store. Right. The, yeah. the people who like have to build their own stores. I think I was trying to describe the difference. Kmart's could move into shopping centers. 
and just retrofit and become a Kmart. Whereas Walmart like had to bulldoze, had to scorch the earth to build their big box store. This is like really when I first started seeing superstores, Walmart mm-hmm. super centers, like became right. a really big deal. There's one that like got put up right ne- near my grandma that had a McDonald's in it. And it was like, but whenever someone says big box store the store that i always think of first is best buy probably because i hate it so much i hate Mm -hmm. Best Buy, and i was in there today i go there i go there so often to wander around like an old man like ah, i love it not today it's your hardware store mm, i love it i love it and maybe i was like i always thought of circuit city because it was always a big box at the front of it that is not a joke that is just if you remember what circuit cities looked like it was a big giant rectangle rectangular plug that's what i thought this meant um, yeah, but also big box stores have have led to uh, the decline of the small towns, uh, the local businesses, small businesses, and to the the spread of suburbia and mm-hmm. urban sprawl. Right. Because where's the land cheap? Well, it's two miles outside of town, mm-hmm. so we just buy up a bunch of old farmland, then we plop the big old Walmart superstore there, mm-hmm. and a big parking lot, and everyone's gonna drive out there to go. And now. Other stores are developing next to it, and, and more and more and more. And it will ruin your local business. Takes over and, the land. And you'll have to subsidize your <laughs> Walmart employees because they don't pay them enough. Um, interesting. Look at the Walmart tax. Maybe you can see the difference in C diff. Terrible segue, yeah. but C diff is this the the Tig Notaro thing uh, that she is, yeah that she had or her mother had yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's like the first yeah. time I've ever heard it. So it's odd to see this coin like twenty years beforehand. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's actually like a protozoa or something, but it gets into your guts and it totally fucks up your flora that makes your guts actually work. Wow. And one of the best treatments for it is poop transplant. Cool. Oh, yeah. back and forth pooping forever. I'm so totally, <laughs> I'm totally down. Yeah, Space no, I, yeah, <laughs> I read an account of how that works, how a poop transplant works, and it's like, this is just comically awful <laughs> it's like they basically take someone else's poop that has healthy gut flora and then they put it up in there and then you have like like an enema <laughs> of poop that you have to keep spraying up there for weeks it's like it's so bad it, okay when people want to talk about that goes again like things going against nature that literally yeah poop going <laughs> up into your body. i can i can see i can <laughs> see what happens when the apocalypse happens <laughs> I can see I can see myself in a hospital gown in 1990. I'd rather die. I don't want I, I don't I don't want a donor to donor's poop injection. It's not even about the butt stuff. It's. <laughs> but what if it was like a famous person? Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Like a famous person's poop. Is that this Abe Vigoda's cool. poop? Oh, this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's so soft. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I, I was looking. <laughs> Um. Uh. Never mind. I don't want to. I don't want to tease anything else later on. Uh. Chiron. Yeah. It's so weird. Well, the words that run at the bottom of the the screen, like during news and shit. Geek out, and I have to imagine that if it's coined in 1990, that was probably a pejorative, whereas now it's used pretty frequently by everyone. It it it's it, we're right after Heather's. Like I'm sure, like if, if one of the Heather's mm-hmm. said geek out, it was meant to be negative. Hoodie is also there. Um, yeah. Wow. Huh. I guess they were called hooded sweatshirts before hoodie. That's something I can barely remember. Hoodie. Is hoodie to you strictly a zip up or no. can hoodie be zip up or pullover? I, I thought the zip up hoodie was a beautiful invention because all I had, we had were pullovers for like our entire high school years. Little skate kids and our fucking, fucking hoodies. Uh, intelligent design. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Not a software yep, we developer. We don't call it creationism. 
yeah, we, we call it intelligent design, which is, I, I feel like that's like a, a good in-between term where it's like, look, we could still say evolution happened, but it was started by someone. Mm hmm just like, and that's why I never understand why creationism and evolution are like at loggerheads. It's like, uh, you can always say that God created evolution. There, we're done. No, yeah, we're not. Because if if a deity created us, how do you explain two minutes ago talking about poop transfers? Like, what <laughs> what kind of being is it? How do you not foresee he, that? <laughs> she or he created us with the knowledge to develop poop transplants. Oh, it's very oh. easy. Damn it. Uh, I'm going to lose every argument with my science. Um, also, this malware, which is, yeah. again, like about 10 years before I heard that. This all yeah. seems like like way ahead of its time. McMansion as well. Uh -huh. um, mixed martial arts, MMA, uh, pro yeah. props? I guess so. Like rap is super props. taking off and like now finally hitting right. uh, the billboard charts. So why not yes. see props pop up as well as shout out spam? Because I guess emails are yeah. kind of getting off the ground in 1990. Exactly. Lowercase s spam coming from a Monty Python joke. Wow. Um, and tighty whiteys is, uh, yeah, I think that was when I was getting into middle school and you had to dress out. All of a sudden, that underwear became embarrassing, even though it was something I wore every day up until that point. And they were yeah. referred to as tighty whiteys. And something all of our dads continue to wear. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, my, I think my, <laughs> my dad switched like around the same time what? I did. Uh, not Very that we cool, share Mr. underwear. Antista. Not that we share underwear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you could. We swap, we yeah. share underwear stories. It's totally different and a great Instagram. Um, yeah. and, and I actually sometimes I have a pack of like extra large boys tidy whities mm -hmm. that I wear. Ladies, they will not give you a wedgie. The way they are designed, tidy yeah, yeah. whities do not wedgie like women's underwear. Mm -hmm. That is my pro tip for you. Yeah. And you could put like a lipstick in the little front pocket. Oh, that's a good idea. I was, I gotta <laughs> tell you, I was one time I was. And I can scare people and they were like, uh, that's a pretty big lump you got there, man. I'm like, yeah. What lipstick are you using, Diana? <laughs> <laughs> and one time I was making out with this girl in the Schlotsky's bathroom, and she revealed she had on, uh, like, boys' underoos. And I'm like, this is way too hot. These fit way too hot. <laughs> I don't know why we, we've been wasting these things on young kids. Uh, uh, anyway. Ooh. yeah. Just saying the word Schlotsky's really took me back. <laughs> that, is, that is nowhere near 1990. That is squarely a 2000 thing. But uh, in 20-something is a, is a word that Merriam-Webster has added to the dictionary. 20 something one word odd uh, I mean, they already had the 30 something tv show they did yep and yep. um and uh th this year the best-selling christmas gifts you have your genesis slash mega drive but far and away it is teenage mutant ninja turtles everything they not only have a hit movie out in theaters their cartoon has never been more popular a video game is out and the action figures are flying off the shelves like this this was the ninja turtles were making so much money in 1990 there. Anyway, getting past all that, um, this is going to be a fun show. I love these. I love these <laughs> end of year shows. Going to the movies of 1990. Home Malone is still number one at the box office, um, as it should still. be. I looked movie. ahead to see who was going to knock it off, and it is not who I expected oh, really? at all. Mm. Yeah, look out, Kevin McAllister, because Julie Roberts is coming for you. Oh shit! Okay. Um, and oh. first, we have a movie called Alice with Mia Farrow, William Hurt, and Joe Mantegna. Die. Can you tell me a little more about that? Woody Allen joint. No, oh, okay. No wonder I hadn't seen actually, it. Actually, it was free streaming somewhere, so I actually watched a little bit of it, mm -hmm. and it is boring. <laughs> it's real slow. It's kind of. Yeah. It's. I remember it as being kind of cute, but it is pretty slow. Um, it's vaguely inspired by Fellini's Juliet of the Spirits. Mm -hmm. Yay, that's a selling point. But uh, Mia Farrow is like a bored Upper East Side 
lady and uh she starts going to this like acupuncturist chinese herbal guy who like gives her occasional magical powers like she turns invisible oh. and she's got this crush on joe montagna and she's like trying to decide should i cheat on my husband or not and then like there's a point where like they're both invisible and they start spying on their spouses and yeah it's okay it's cute it would be in your best interest to commit adultery i can't do joe montagna <laughs> but i can sort of do fat tony that's pretty good because uh, we get we get more joe montagna in a minute right so. it's a big uh, week for him and uh the russia house is a movie that's out with klaus maria Braun Daher, uh, J.T. Walsh, John Mahoney, James Fox, Roy Scheider, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Sean Connery. Welcome to Moscow again. If the Cold War is over... I received the manuscript. You're going too fast. But Russia has no time. What is happening? This is very dangerous for you. In the Russia house. They're watching us. Your side and my side. He's trust over. Trouble. Sean Connery. Michelle Pfeiffer. You are my only country now. Ew. The Russia House starts Friday. <laughs> Ew, it's something gross with seeing Sean Connery seduce Michelle Pfeiffer at this mm. age. Ew. Uh, you're my country now. How yeah. did you spell that, sir? Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay when they say it. What's the Russia House? I didn't get that at all. Get anything from that at all? Okay, so the Russia House, f- extremely timely film because mm. it is written by the late great John Le Carre. From uh, based on his book, mm-hmm. which means it is a spy thriller with very realistic feeling spying stuff going mm-hmm. on, but no gunfights or car chases. Really? If you're looking for if you're looking for Sean Connery to be James Bond, no, oh no, that's not how Le, Le Carre rolls, man. It is very slow and cerebral, talky, but it feels like incredibly realistic. Like mm-hmm. this is how spy stuff works. Uh, mm-hmm. Sean Connery plays a book publisher and just you know russia's starting to open up with like the glass perestroika stuff and so he goes there and is given this manuscript by uh class maria brandauer that he finds out was an, is a nuclear scientist and is like trying to smuggle it to the west and how do we do that and can we trust it and how do we have this information michelle pfeiffer's like the go-between between them the cia gets involved and mi5 is involved and i think the most interesting thing like it's a pretty good movie mm-hmm but the most interesting thing is it's the it's like the first uh, Western movie that was allowed to film inc- like entirely in the Soviet Union. Huh. Oh, wow. And so they really go for it. You see what the Soviet Union <laughs> looked like in, in 1990. Mm. And spoiler alert, but halfway into next year, a lot of those statues won't be there anymore. Oh, yeah. So this is an amazing time capsule. Huh, that's that's fantastic. The exact end of the Soviet era. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that I feel like that alone kind of just makes it sort of worth watching. No, it's I, just yeah. It's just kind of neat as a travel log. Totally agree. Totally agree. I'm I'm not even making a joke. We were watching Home Alone 2 and I'm like, "Wow, I forgot about this helicopter shot of Kevin on top of the World Trade Center." But it's like it's oh. it's still nice to have this shot that like this is an HD and this exists like giant a giant quality image of what the world looked like then. Just saying, there's yeah. there's certain f- films shot on the real location. I love that kind of stuff, man. I really do. Because yeah, you know, it's if you have... crazy how many they go to. I think they go to St. Petersburg. It's to Leningrad. They go to. They have like a scene that's at the grave of Boris Pasternak, who wrote <laughs> Doctor Zhivago. And like I looked it up. Nope, that's it. Boris Pasternak wow. bodies right there. He's under the ground. <laughs> wow. They were doing it. They're going everywhere. And yeah. yeah, it was just, and also like all the CIA and MI5 guys is just every, hey, it's that guy in the world. Besides, you know, John Mahoney and JT Walsh. There's right. like every right. other dude is like, 
I was constantly looking them up, like, where the fuck do I know that guy from? Yeah. Oh, shit, is that the guy from Men Behaving Badly? He doesn't even have a line. Why is he here? Uh, and yeah, so the Russia House is one, like, I thought it was going to be boring, and it's pretty slow, but it ends up being worth it just for all this extra fun shit around it. So yeah, nice. it's it definitely is pretty slow, but, I mean, you got to think, being an actor in 1990, a Jalakare movie is kind of like the gold standard like it would just i feel like it would just be so cool like everyone was probably chopping at the bit to be in this movie because yeah. it's, it's and, just such a huge historical artifact yeah and screenplay by tom stoppard like, wow oh shit yeah okay this, this year we're we're reading some lacare i'm excited Ooh. you know oh, yeah. i never have i've never Neither. i've seen enough adaptations i've seen what two different versions of tinker taylor soldier spy and uh taylor panama yeah, there's actually like it's happened several times where I've seen something and found out later. Oh, of course, this is a John Le Carre adap- adaptation. Like it doesn't even occur to me sometimes, and then oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like the Night yep. Manager. Oh right, that was really oh, I good. totally forgot about that. That was really good. And I am sitting here silently pretending this isn't the first time I've heard his name or her name. I have no idea who you're talking about. Uh, I'm the old unco- well, uncultured one of the show. But yeah, not, well, not we just listed many of his works. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> oh, Constant Gardner? Yes. I forgot he did Constant Gardner. Uh, yes. Yep. Uh this is a movie I remember uh it's I like it when we get to a movie where Speaking like Speaking of timely. Uh yeah, where I didn't Damn see you, it, I didn't see it at the time, but where I was living in the promotional campaign and I didn't I learned what The Godfather was through the promotional campaign of The Godfather 3 and how much my parents and their friends were talking about it. I'm a little 10-year-old. I have no idea what the deal is or that there's been two previous movies. But this week, baby, Sofia Coppola, Bridget Fonda, George Hamilton, Joe Montaigne, again, Eli Wallach, Andy Garcia, Talia Shire, Diane Keaton, and Al Pacino in The Godfather 3. The ultimate story of family. Come at me as you will. And loyalty. Give up my daughter. Power. And violence. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. <laughs> the Godfather, part three. When they come, they'll come at what you love. Indeed, indeed. I tried to watch this again. I couldn't really get... <laughs> I was doing other stuff at the time, but I, I, I grew up with a... I'm, from an Italian family and they all, all my family loves these movies and I grew up with a trilogy and I don't really even see, I had to learn that there was, this isn't really a trilogy. Um, Mm. it, it, that's part of the problem with this movie and how people reacted to it is that right, literally right now, Coppola has released a recut of this called Godfather Coda colon the death of michael corleone which was his plan all along it's not a third part yeah it's kind of uh, an epilogue yeah it's it's a bad el camino to godfather's breaking bad and yeah <laughs> i think that's yeah. a really good it's comparison. not really a continuation of the story it's not mm. a full chapter of this saga mm-hmm. it's more of a wrap-up yeah and, and he, he wanted to that, call that it the, was death the of... intention and yeah. the studio was like uh money you need it <laughs> no call this you need uh, money call this uh, godfather 3 return of the jedi we want it to pretend it's wrapping up a trilogy trilogy as if the story should have existed all along and it was pretty manufactured and done in desperation on Coppola's part i believe mm-hmm. uh, yeah if we did we talked about was it once upon a dream was that it no that's not it 
Um, uh, Tucker Man in His Dream. That's no, no, the Coppola, the, the Coppola movie that he sunk all his money into the musical. Um, oh, one from the heart. One from the heart. Yes. Uh, yeah. Fascinating baddie, and it lost it lost him a ton of his own money, like twenty million dollars. So he Paramount had been on his ass for years to make Godfather three, and after what is it like almost. 20 years he relents 16 16 yeah. yeah he relents and says cool i'll get i'll, I'll talk to mario <laughs> which is is how you pronounce his name mario puso writer of superman yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean the reputation of this movie pretty much from jump street has been well this sucks and let's all pretend that didn't happen and a lot of that goes on miss sofia coppola and because this was supposed to be Winona Ryder playing El, uh, and Julia you know, Roberts, Michael apparently. Corleone's daughter. And Julia Roberts, they thought about for a while. Mm-hmm. And last week we had two two Winona Ryder movies, mm-hmm. and she wow. was just burnt the fuck out. Uh, yeah. And so she had to drop out at the last minute. And instead of going to find another actress, he went with his daughter, like she was doing him a favor. And people have been like, why didn't you find someone else? And he's like, well, she was there. There wasn't anyone else, you know, that was the age I wanted and the look I wanted. I did research. My cousins are in the movie. I got some names. (laughs) I got some names for you. Okay, Samantha Mathis, Lara Flynn Boyle, Carla Gugino are all the right age. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leah Rimini. And also, did you know Paul Sorvino has a daughter? She just graduated Harvard. I just, yeah, yeah. She's up and coming. All of them would have been better. Yeah, I I went back and watched. Who's very bland. I went back and watched some of her scenes. And yeah, it's like she's bland. It's like, this isn't ruinous in any way, really. Like, it's not a big enough part. And I don't know. I feel like she, I'm glad she has like a much larger second tale to her stardom. Like just, mm-hmm. yeah. she's known for so I, such better things than this. I love that we're bookending this because earlier in 2000, we talked about her directorial debut, right. Virgin Suicides. Right. Yeah. And I remember when that came out and being like, oh God, like girl, give it up, man. All right, your dad has his career. You can do whatever you want. And then watching that being like, right. if, oh, if we're not being, shit, she's, being, she's a good writer, director. I take mm-hmm. it back. If we're not being clear for the public, in, in that period, Sophia Coppola's name, she was famous for literally, quote, ruining The Godfather. And she is like tree like Yoko Ono. Yeah. yeah. She's not treated unfairly. You know, like, feel, like, you know, like believe, half yeah. the cast is Coppola's relatives and like, like they're all yeah, over this Talia film. Shire's Talia Shire's sister, man. Yeah, yeah, no so, one gives her shit. No, she did a much better job. But <laughs> well, yes. I thought it was, she played, uh, but uh, Sophia Coppola had actually played Michael Corleone's nephew as a baby. <laughs> in, uh, yeah, in she's Godfather. the baby in she's the... the She's the baby in the baptism scene. Yeah, yeah. she's one of the people who's been in all three. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> she, she's an extra on the boat at Ellis Island. It's <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah, and so, so I, I watched this as a little film nerd, like discovering The Godfather. I just watched these all three in a row a lot. And like, it's not as satisfying as one or two. And nothing to me is as satisfying as one, really. And, but like, I didn't, I, I never saw the difference. Like, oh, this is the black sheep. But uh, watching it now, I sort of did because there's just there's something grandiose and novel about what Coppola did in the 70s that's not mm-hmm. as much fun here to watch these slow brown rooms of rich people talking about rich <laughs> things. Like, it just, it's, it feels like television. Well, especially since we just had Goodfellas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so... yeah. Goodfellas I'm changed sure the pace people... at which a mafia movie moved. And this is more like corporate espionage rather than mafia espionage. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure some of the... I mean, I I actually haven't seen part three. And mm-hmm. for a long time, I was like, I'm just not going to see it because everyone says it's so bad. So why would I like ruin the taste you know, in mm-hmm. my mouth of the first two? But I am interested in checking it out because I am 
I do suspect that like many things, it's not as bad as everyone says it is. And Sofia Coppola isn't as bad as everyone says she is. It's it's not. I think uh, if you spent 20 years deifying the original uh, yeah. and second, then it, yeah, that probably left yeah. a bad taste in your mouth as, as a, a teenager, 20 year old. It didn't bother me at all. Godfather yeah, 3. It's, it's really interesting looking at reviews of the time and then reappraisals now mm-hmm. that Coda is out. Obviously, people are looking back and comparing the two. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I, Sophia Coppola had a fair number of defenders. The movie mm-hmm. had a number of defenders basically saying that the way that she's just sort of loose and kind of bland. I mean, I'd call it bland, but just sort of, you know, bored yeah. is kind of illustrating a generational divide and that that can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. I mean, a lot of them, a lot of the critics really liked it. It mm-hmm. does pull a Best Picture nomination for some reason, making That's it the insane. first, but not last trilogy to do so. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Next year, up baby. Next year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're uh, <laughs> taking the hobbits to ice. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, there's a lot of good stuff in here, and I really wish that they just kind of gone through a little more carefully because the idea that the Corleones are now fully legit and then they get involved with Vatican banking. And it turns out the Vatican is even more corrupt Mm -hmm. than the gangsters ever were. Like, I love that. That's a great story. No, no, the the Pope literally needs to give his blessing. (laughs) Yeah. And and then like they folded into the, the very short papacy of uh, John Paul the first, you know, saying like, Oh, he wasn't playing ball. Let's kill him. Oh, they killed the Pope. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and they film in the Vatican. It's like, and they're filming the Vatican, and it's just gorgeous. And I I kept waiting for them to underline, like, do you see how lavish this shit is? Mm -hmm. And how much money we're talking about? Yeah. And how many people are fucking starving and that love the Catholic? They love the Pope and maybe sell a fucking statue. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they don't do that. But yeah, the idea that it's even more corrupt. This idea that and this Catholic guilt and the rules have been making the mafia what it is, and that shit is corrupt as fuck. That's so interesting. It is not made very clear in this movie. Yeah, a lot of people complained about it being convoluted, and I guess yeah, I could probably see that, but just because the stakes are technically much higher, but the movie's much quieter. And yeah, and and so much of what Michael Corleone is talking about is really looking back on Godfather too. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's the death of Fredo. <laughs> is hanging yes. over this whole movie. I mean, this is true of most trilogies, but if you don't know Godfather 1 and Godfather 2 fairly well or have seen them pretty recently, this will make zero sense. Okay. They do Good not to try know. to catch you up. No, 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 no. They know you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's... I mean, you've had plenty of time, people. I, yeah, you've had 16 up. years. How do you, I mean, but you, you got to carve out, like, the, the newest version release, other than Coda Death of Michael Corleone, was that seven-hour cut of both of them that went to HBO. And I remember trying to oh, start that I, on my on the, my stolen it. HBO Go thing, and it just, like, we we cannot load seven hours worth of HD footage. We do not have this technology no. yet. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate the Godfather saga of, yeah, editing it all together chronologically because that's what makes Godfather 2 so good is the parallel stories. You don't want to separate them. Why would you yeah. do that? I'm not a fan. That's... <laughs> that also makes sense, though. I mean, in 1990, mm-hmm. if you're if you have to see both of those before you get into Godfather three and it's been 16 years since Godfather two mm-hmm. and most of America still doesn't own VCRs or have like yeah. ready access to the first two, probably. I mean, 
I guess VCRs mm-hmm. are pretty popular at that point, but like, yeah, it's not, it just wasn't as easy to get stuff. Obviously. My so, family yeah. had one with those double VHS discs. Oh, it was so beautiful. I, every, every, every in the household, two big black VHS is in one little box. Uh, for Because <laughs> I swear, yeah. I, I was trying to tell my girlfriend, there was a, there was a time when I was young where I didn't hear about Star Wars every day. And I may have heard about Godfather more. Like Godfather was referenced by the news and mm-hmm. the the newspaper, like it, Godfather was mentioned every day, and I, I just yeah, like I think I've gone like seven months and no one's mentioned. I've ne- have heard no mention of the Godfather, no parodies. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to recommend to someone like oh. uh, the third one. I'm saying, uh, yeah, but well, from from what I've read and the comparisons, mm-hmm. Coda most Nothing. of the movie is unchanged, yes. but they fixed the opening because it takes too freaking long to get to the story so apparently they he moves around some scenes that happen about half an hour into the movie now they happen up front he cuts some stuff off of the front so coda is actually shorter mm-hmm. by like 10 minutes and it sounds like he made an improvement like there's only so much you can do but in editing you can yeah just get to the fireworks factory a little faster <laughs> uh can we can, can we tell him now do the deer hunter <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like fix that. Yes, just let Coppola go re-edit everybody's movies. Yeah, that'd be fine. fine. Let's check it out. <laughs> yeah, I want to see. All right, dude. What's yeah? What's your cut of Star Wars? Yeah, what once up, start with go Once Upon it. a Time in Hollywood. Everyone yeah. was complaining that was too long. Um, yeah. Now that yeah, I watched it five times, I would not. Uh, can we move on to TV? Are we good? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So yeah, I mean, I'm generally not going to recommend Godfather Three. Yeah, it's difficult. But it sounds like Coda is is a slight improvement and I was not going to watch but because it's two and a half hours right. or, or almost three hours mm-hmm. Godfather 3 which is also really unnecessary I mean I probably will watch Godfather 3 because I knew of it as a punchline on sitcoms in the 90s yeah. like yeah. I think Friends makes a joke about Sofia Coppola and mm. Godfather 3 at some point early on in their run and I mean yeah it, it that's how I know it as a reference Mm. Sitcom, so that's yeah. how I know most things as reference. No, yeah. that's that's oh, the it's... yeah. Her the importance of her being a punchline over this performance, I think, is pretty unfair. Oh, <laughs> it was a much meaner it time. Is bad. Mm-hmm. It is bad, and it's because like Andy Garcia, mm-hmm. like Andy Garcia is in there, and he's this is one of his best performances. Yeah. He's great, and I feel like I feel extra bad for him because so many of his scenes are about how much he's in love with Sofia Coppola. <laughs> it's like she's like, I love you, Dad. I won't stop seeing him. I love him. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, she's worth it, buddy. And, mm. uh, I, yeah, it's also the daughter of the director. I get it. I get it. But I, why am I trying to move on to television? There's nothing in television. <laughs> it's nothing. Just, Kennedy Center on her. Kennedy Center on her. I, I suppose some of these people I've never heard of. Uh, I know who Dizzy Gillespie is um, okay. and Catherine Hepburn. When we get to, yeah, right? is this how you, is this Ray Stevens? And I never knew how his name was spelled. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, Reese Stevens was an opera singer. Just as good as Ray Stevens, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Jules, yes. Jules Stein. I would have loved to hear her st- sing the streak. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, uh, Jules Stein is a, a massive Broadway music legend, composer, mm. playwright. Yep. And, and uh, Bailey Wilder. I, Diana, you call him your favorite director? Did I hear you say that? My favorite filmmaker. Yeah. I've said okay. that many times. Yeah. yeah. Billy Wilder. I listen. Guy did... Guy did <laughs> Everything and he did everything well. Yeah, almost not a bad movie in the bunch. Um, you no, know. I mean there's one or two that aren't great, mm-hmm. but the fact that he could do like the most dark 
film noir in mm. Double Indemnity and also do Some Like It Hot, which is just a wacky drag comedy. Mm-hmm. And he could do them pretty close together. Plus, I mean, come on. Ace in the Hole is like the darkest movie ever. Yeah, man. I watched that recently. It's very good. Yeah. And and then you also do like The Apartment, which is so, so sweet and has so much heart. Yeah, he was fucking amazing. Being dark as shit. Um, and dark as shit. Yeah. And uh, just games I wanted to mention this week. Again, these release dates are all up in the air. We'll do a bigger show for uh, our patrons and patreon.com slash laser time. Um, Star Tropics, uh, an underrated RPG from Nintendo with one of the most hilarious. I don't think they did it to prevent uh, people selling their games and selling used games, but you ladies may have never heard of this. You get to a moment where a character asks you to enter a code with something cryptic. So what you were actually supposed to do is take a map out of the video game box itself and get it wet, and it would reveal a number. Oh, jeez. Oh, cool. so, and it very, very, very cool. However, if you were renting it from Blockbuster, <laughs> and there's no internet, or you bought it used, and that map is no longer there, people, like, I, I ask, ask your husband. I think Sam might have had the story being stuck forever. Like, there's... I just can't get past this part. What am I supposed to do? Um, and and then also one of the biggest lies in Nintendo history: Dragon's Lair for NES, the famous Don Bluth full animated oh. laser disc game, brought home to the eight bit Nintendo console. Um, oh. It's a side scroller, but the the box. Oh, would... <laughs> I finally played Dragon's Lair, the real one, on a cabinet. Dragon's Lair. God, that's so cool. It's really neat. And it, it, I love it's that. So like, cool to have a game that is fully like hand animated. Yeah. And it's it's barely a game. <laughs> and you can play it on, on most Blu-ray players. And uh <laughs> but it's it's gorgeous and I love that Stranger Things kind of like had people talking about it again. And you will never see a kid lose interest in the game. Like it just doesn't happen. It's like this incredible cartoon that you can control. And the, the technology is just so easy to, <laughs> to wrap your mind around, and no one's, no one's really ever done anything like it. But it's great, and I think it's getting its own arcade one-up cab, and I'm excited. Uh, music of 1990, December 25th to the 31st. Let's take us out of 1990, Because I Love You, the Postman song by Stevie B. It's still number one. New releases are nothing. <laughs> Sorry, I should nothing. have read ahead. Um, nothing. No. Why, why would you release something on Christmas? Everyone's I... bought their presence true like in in the future especially not in 1990 but more in 2010 we'll see things coming out closer and closer to christmas because people know they're getting gift cards and you can spend the gift card on the new album mm-hmm. but sense. uh no we have no new music for any of these decades nothing wow wow it's christmas people bought their damn discs and cds and- right Right. Albums. Come yeah, on, they're they're busy trading them in at your Sam Goodies or uh, Music Lands. But uh, Diligent Die throws in albums from this year that made it into Rolling Stone's top 500 albums, and uh, that would be Public Enemy's Fear of a Black Hat, Great Album, Depeche Mode, Violating. <laughs> Fear <laughs> oh, Fear of a Black Planet. My bad. I was, I was, this is what happens when I read ahead. Um, uh, Depeche Mode, oh, Violator, and Fear of a Black Hat. That's a great movie. It's uh, it's it's, it's yeah, it's the it's the hip hop Spinal Tap. Don't sleep on it. Uh, Sinead O'Connor, I do I do not want what I have not got. Uh, that's what I was trying yeah. to get. At, I was trying to get ahead on saying that. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, these are all three big recommends for me too. Fear of a Black Planet, Depeche Mode Violator, and Sinead O'Connor. And we're gonna close yeah. out with no uh, complaints with From a Distance, which From I have distance. Mangle on a regular basis singing to my dog. Uh, <laughs> dog is watching us. <laughs> From a biscuit, it's true. and <laughs> his name is Biscuit. 
He loves this song. He really does. And he melts every time. And so will you, but with Vet Midler's version. But stay right there, people. There's still very, so very much to talk about as we wrap up the year in the 2000 section of 302010. Don't move. From a distance, there is harmony. And it echoes the land. It's the voice of hope. It's the It's the Hello, fellow Nerf Herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans to take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-hosts Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars with a Big Giant Question Mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. But the Boba Fett's story being introduced and hyped for two years that's something the first Star Wars didn't really have they had a trailer but no one like was expecting things from Luke Skywalker when you announce a character like that that looks cool as hell and then he's in a movie and doesn't do that much and then he's in another movie and does somehow even worse (laughs) uh, (laughs) right his his course he looked great doing it he did he looked great doing it in another episode of the story I wanted to get into was um Boba Fett was, for all intents and purposes, set up to be the, the next bad following Darth Vader. And George Lucas just says, man, I don't feel like doing any more movies. And just really cruelly murdered him <laughs> in front of all literally of us. Literally threw him away. Yeah, threw, yeah. literally threw him away. Just throw away, yeah. My <laughs> Oh, that's Sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Model chicks, six bottles of Chris, four velvet ass guys everywhere. What do you say? Me, you, and your Chloe glasses. Go somewhere private where we could discuss fashion like Prada blouse, Gucci bra. Okay, Phil Mark jeans. Take that off. Give it to me. Give me that funk, that sweet, that nasty, that gushy stuff. Come on, give me that funk, that sweet. Coming in with "I Just Want to Love You," give it to me by Jay Z. Um, it's on the charts this week, and I'm realizing for the first time I had no idea what the song was titled. J- just didn't. Uh, I've heard it a billion times. Welcome to 2000, December 25th, to the 31st. Yeah, we're closing down the year 2000. We look. We spent decades looking forward to it, and it was pretty much just decent Jay Z songs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and what's out this week in terms of music? Nada. Not a thing. Independent Woman Number One by Destiny Child is still number one. However, if we look back on the year of 2000. As Diana does, uh, we see how many of Rolling Stone's top 500 albums uh, stemmed from the year 2000. We have Radio Kid, Radiohead Kid A, Eminem, The Marshall Mathers LP, U2's All That You Can Leave Behind, Outkast Anconia, PJ Harvey, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea, and D'Angelo's Voodoo. How, how far back does Rolling Stone go when it's mining for its 500 albums? It seems like that's an impressive number as to have in one year. far back as they can. Really? I mean, it goes back to like the late 50s. John Philip Seuss's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they go pretty far back. And I think the list is from like, I think the original list was like 2007. And then they updated it a couple times. Like Sgt. Pepper's on the Arts Club Band is number one. But that from 2000, that is a serious haul. 
And those are, those are all, yeah, no arguments. Yeah, I can't argue with a lot of them. Yeah. Even my personal distaste for ra- for Eminem. I almost said Radiohead, God forbid. <laughs> yeah. For Eminem aside, I still can't argue yeah. with at least the influence. Yeah, I, I definitely not even one of my top three Radiohead albums, but um, still listenable. It's just that it's it's harder to pick out individual songs. It's sort of just one giant thing compared to, you know, The Benz or even Hail to the Thief or OK Computer. Yeah, not, not my favorite, but I mean, Stankonia, awesome all i can't leave behind awesome all i mean we all know that i'm a humongous cornball duh but all that you can't leave behind is a cd that really helped me out a lot like got me through some stuff because the the songs on there are very hopeful and very it'll improve your mood for sure yeah there's a lot there to um i don't know just put you in a better mood or in a better place if you listen to it yep sorry you too is the bomb yeah. Sorry yeah. they were well, put no, on your look- iPad once to get your approval. You don't have to hate them forever for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, looking ahead for 91. There's an album of theirs we're going to hit, and I am not going to be able to shut up. I'm going to be like, okay, we're just playing this in its entirety right. while I talk to you about it. Sounds, uh- like, <laughs> sounds like a little disco tech. I like it. I like. Oh, uh, we already did that. <laughs> I know, I know. Sorry. It's, that's my only U2 joke I have. Uh, and I still like that album. I know, I know. A lot of All other YouTube people don't. Too. I love pop. So, uh- shut up. Anyway, moving on to 2000's uh, news, uh, December 25th to the 31st. We're closing out the year. Looking at words, Merriam-Webster has added to the dictionary this year. Some of these they might want to take off. Um, <laughs> Kronk with a C. Uh, <laughs> is that how you spell the dance, or is that like the act, uh, the, the the state of being, Kronk? Um, it's the state of being. Okay. I think you're thinking of crump. Crump. Is no. it crumping the dance? I don't know. All I know is that community clip. We're crunking. No, you're not. Boom, Joel McHale. <laughs> that's crumping. Uh, Hold on. I don't know. I don't know. I'm willing to, to lose face on this one. 2000 uh, added to the dictionary geocaching. Neat. I learned how to do that with your husband. Found a GPS. I tried to do that. It, it, was, and... it was awesome for a while. <laughs> uh, I tried to do that with my husband. Why are husbands into geocaching so much? Because it's like, it's like gamifying a hike. Yeah, it's, it's like it also it's a hike like with treasure at the end. Pirate. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, and uh, Google, Google is now officially in the Webster's uh, dictionary. I'm guessing as a verb, as it should be. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and uh, just K- pretty early for 2000 for Google. Seriously, but... this all feels yeah. very early. Like a uh, uh, K-pop man. Maybe Mary Webster's more progressive than I think. RSS, which is probably how you're hearing this. 20 years ago, Mary yeah. Webster coins the term that is the, the, for the technology that is bringing this to you right now. It is not. It has nothing to do with Apple. We have never spoken with Apple. Uh, they own podcasts for some reason. So does Spotify. Uh, speed dating. We all know what that is. Sudoku and TiVo is the only one I think they should they should walk back. I haven't heard anybody say TiVo other than before they say DVR, and I haven't seen, heard anybody say, say DVR in a very long time. I saw <laughs> an ad for TiVo like this week, and literally my husband was like. TiVo is still a thing. I mean, they were advertisers yeah. on our show a few years ago. A fine product they sent me, and I never hooked up. Also, yeah. I love Sudoku. That is, that's oh. my go-to puzzle right there. Okay. That's my jam. I don't know why I've never been good at crossword puzzles, even mm-hmm. though I'm pretty good at like getting the clues yeah. somehow. I've just never been great at them. Ah, that feels huh. to be your thing. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm a crossword puzzle for sure, and the Sudoku makes me want to cry. Like I think because numbers. <laughs> huh. But, and, uh, but yeah, I miss my RSS feed. I miss Google Reader, honestly. 
Mm-hmm. I cannot believe they got rid of goo. I'm still not over it. Like I had a great feed. I mean, it's because you know, I love to just have all my all the different websites that I like yeah. just sort of curated for me as they update. Yeah. Uh, awesome. With or with or without ads. Without. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's yeah. that's it's not just, helping it, a lot of writers, but. <laughs> yeah, you, you just get well. No, I mean, you get the summary, you get the headline, and right. and like a short little thing of like, I could follow, say, I don't know. AV clubs film reviews. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, yeah. and I would just like, I'm not interested in that one. Delete, delete, delete. Oh, this one I am interested to click. Now I go to the page. Now I see the whole thing. Now I see the ads. Mm. Oh, yep. yeah, I miss it. It's it's difficult for me to even think about how I browsed the web 20 years ago as opposed to today. Like I had all these bookmarks where I just go to every one of the sites. The RSS was thing was yes. a godsend. But today I go to like three websites, one of which I have to put stuff on. And uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, and then walk back. That's yeah. I guess I, pro- I probably never heard that until my first corporate meeting. We're gonna walk that back <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, those are all new words out of the Merriam-Webster dictionary. And the best-selling Christmas gifts of two thousand uh, towards the end of the year. And some of this might be a little UK skewed. The Texca robotic dog. You may know it if you saw it. The Razor scooter or the mobile scooter, mm. depending on where you are. Oh and, yeah. And mm-hmm. all things Pokemon. 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 Pokemon cannot be bigger right now on all corners of the globe. And those are your best-selling Christmas gifts. 2,000 movies. Castaway I, is still number one. Wait, what's up? I was going to say real quick about the Razor scooter. I love how that went from being like the hottest toy in 2000 to like now visual shorthand for tech douche. it's so funny to me how like that connotation just flipped pretty quickly i feel like yeah yeah i mean being in san francisco in the media at the time and just they're everywhere and there are people who ride them in their office to get places and a couple of us had basically a not an unofficial there actually wasn't money involved but basically a pool of how long until someone dies because of a razor scooter and it was it was somewhere around this time i I believe it was (laughs) It was like early 2001. It was like, mm-hmm. yep, finally. Nope, some kid got run over. Yep, that yeah. mm-hmm. happened. We win. Castaway is number one of the box office this week as we get into the movies. Two movies I I, I have. One, I was too, I got too bored to finish. And the other one, I'm just too terrified to start. Um, <laughs> this is uh, uh, Reuben Blades, Lucas Black, Henry Thomas, Penelope Cruz, and Matt Damon, and all the pretty horses. On the road here from Texas? Yes, sir. They were the most powerful family in an untamed land. But when he fell in love with their only daughter... Fishing to get me in trouble. You are in trouble. I know the old man likes you. That don't mean he's going to set sail for you courting his daughter. There was no turning back. The truth is what happened. The name will come out of somebody's mouth. Matt Damon. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to love you till the day I die. All the pretty horses. Now it's... Speaking of you too, sneaking in yeah. there. The uh-huh. Hey, guys. Uh, based on the Cormac McCarthy book, I did not know directed by Billy Bob Thornton. I had thought what? Robert Redford. Yeah. No. Yeah, Feels Billy like Bob Thornton. Mm-hmm. Huh. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it strikes by Billy Bob Thornton. It's his follow-up to Sling Blade. Wow. You know, I mean, he's been acting in all these movies and getting a ton of attention, but he hadn't gone back to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad. This is when I just remember, like, nobody liked it at the time. Everyone went boring. And then I tried to watch it and I was like, boring. I didn't realize it was based on a Cormac McCarthy novel. And I didn't realize fucking Harvey Weinstein cut about a third of this movie. It came in originally at three hours. And Harvey Weinstein was, no, no, we are not releasing a movie that is this long and slow. So you got to speed it up. Now, usually that means there's some trims you can make here and there. And you probably could have gotten it down to like, 220 230 and it would have been fine 
but that's part of the problem with how the movie plays now is it's it just seems kind of random like wait why are they doing that well what are they doing there well why is he so upset Mm. because they cut like 30 percent of the movie yeah (sighs) yeah it's it's super boring like i'm pretty sure i read the book too and but i really don't remember that much about it but yeah i I started the movie i didn't even finish it i was like i get the gist of this this is fine i mean when penelope cruz shows up in that hat i'm like cool (laughs) i mean i love her and she's one of the most beautiful women on earth so i always like to see her on my screen but then after that i was like well i don't really need to see any more of this yeah, and you, you can kind of get where it's going. It's, I mean, it's weird for Cormac McCarthy in that it's not like brutal and sad and horrible, right? <laughs> um, and it's pretty simple. Matt Damon and Henry Thomas. It's like the late forties, I think. I think it's just post-war, and they live in Texas, and then they go down to Mexico to work on a farm. And Matt Damon falls for, you know, the the owner's daughter Penelope Cruz, and then they're like, try. They don't like that, and they try to run him out of town. And there's like corrupt cops get involved, and. They got to run away. And will I ever see you again? No. And, you know, drama. High drama. But I, I'm even looking at the... It the, just the, doesn't play, man. The, the background drama of, like, as of four years ago, Matt Damon is still pissed about the cuts that happened here. And, like, what? pretty affable guy. Yeah. doesn't talk a ton of shit. He's like, yeah, it still fucking bothers me. He said it still bothers me to this day. Uh, all wow. What they did to that did, did mm. the movie. They wanted a sweeping yep. violin score, and we wanted to make a dark, slow thing. And it, it really fucked with Billy Bob. And, yeah. Still bothers Matt Damon. Nice guy. Wow. Oh, yeah. There was another thing that happened. was uh, tying it back into YouTube one more time. Daniel Lanois, uh, who produced some great YouTube stuff, but is a musician in his own right. He did like a very, you know, basic spare score. that's supposed to be really good. And yeah, that's when Harvey Scissorhands, as they used to call him, came in yeah. and was like, no, it needs to be sweeping and romantic. And that's why they can't release a director's cut is that Daniel Lanois was so pissed about getting fired that he won't give the rights to the music back. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. What a dramatic behind the scenes for an extremely boring movie. <laughs> I know. Ain't that always the way? I know, yeah. that, but I wish there was. I wish there was still like a popular TV channel. Like, a, there's a documentary called the Z Channel out there, and that was sort of their thing to play like director's cuts of Heaven's Gate and Deer Hunter, and like, no, we're gonna play the the cut the director intended you to see, and it, it allowed people to reevaluate films, even films they. Th- wouldn't care about or thought were shitty and like there's no avenue for that right now it's still kind of a bummer other than tcm and it's too young to get in the tcm a uh, good tcm showcase god damn it but yeah i hate yeah. i hate stories like this i really do they're, they're talking about like 30 to 35 percent of the movie gone because of harvey weinstein and i'm really looking for reasons to like this guy i want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have not and seen it was him. the only bad thing that harvey ever did yeah <laughs> yes one of two things um two things but the second one has a lot of victims. Um, the, next, the next movie, Michael Caine, Joaquin Phoenix, Kate Winslet, Jeffrey Rush, in Quills. It's indecent. It's a scandal. It's the work of the Marquis de Sade. When passion is silenced. Take this beast back to his cave. Desire is denied. Certain feelings you must not voice. Power is defied. My right hand. Everyone pays the price. The New York Times calls Quills liberating best picture material. Do you mean to take us all down with you? Quills. Only in theaters. Some of the most wonderfully (laughs) weird people in my life have called this one of their favorite films. Sarah and I are both just grinning like, yeah. 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 (laughs) 
It's great. This movie is bananas. And yes. awesome. I loved it. In a good way, bananas. Yeah. It is it packs so many topics and craziness into one movie. And I totally forgot. And it's directed by Philip Kaufman. Right. We talked about earlier this year with Henry and June. Yeah, making and another sexy movie. Another sexy movie that is much more successful mm -hmm. than that one, even though not a ton of sex in it. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's still a sexy movie, though. I just can't really put my finger on why. You know, like, I don't know. Why don't you try and my... nutshell it for me? Because it looks like a wig, a fancy wig comedy that I don't want to see. It is, mm. but with lots of body parts. I mean, there is a fancy, there are wigs in this, for mm. sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so Jeffrey Rush is the Marquis de Sade. Mm -hmm. The, you know, infamous writer and where we get the word sadism. And mm -hmm. he wrote all kinds of crazy sexy books. And he was imprisoned slash, well, I guess we'll just go with imprisoned in a mental institution for mm -hmm. big chunks of his life. But he, he wasn't like, like kind of he had, it's like he had to live there, but it's not mm -hmm. like he was being, you know, in cells with everybody else. He it was basically like, because you're like an upper class dude, you get to like have an apartment here and just don't go anywhere. And so it's about him and his compulsion to keep writing about sexy stuff. Like he's can't, it's, he is obsessed and he can't stop himself. He's like, he keeps saying like, if I can't get it out onto paper, it just stays in my head and it drives me insane. So please just let me keep writing about sex. And he befriends uh, Kate Winslet as this washerwoman, you know, the laundry lady, mm -hmm. it, who's just like really into what is your deal? And he keeps sort of trying to seduce her. And, and you know, she's just not used to anyone talking, frankly, about sex because, you know, it's the 18th century in mm -hmm. France. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix is uh, a priest who's sort of like trying to reform him, but is also sort of being seduced by him also. Ooh. and then michael kane shows up and he's like the guy in charge who's like i am sick of this bullshit you're a pervert forever you're going to hell and that's kind of the interesting thing is that he's he's a sadist he's the actual sadist yeah he's the actual sadist who is you know this man of piety who enjoys hurting people whereas the marquis de sade just wants to celebrate sexual liberation yeah. So there's a lot about censorship. There's a lot about mental illness, religion. What is pornographic? Is porn bad? Is porn good? Is censorship bad? Is censorship good? Mm -hmm. Consent. Mm -hmm. A lot about general consent. morality. Yeah. 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 It is. It was just a wild ride. Like so fun. I my only like feeling about it that is not 100 percent is that I I don't know the ending is so dark. Yeah. So, 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 so dark, like kind of unrelentingly dark. And <laughs> I, I was kind of like, oh, man, like after it ended, like I wish that it had ended maybe with some like little glimmer of hope or something, even though I guess that would have been historically accurate. I don't know how historically accurate, you know. I mean, not not yeah. entirely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, but I mean, it's it. The setup is historically accurate, but yeah. what happens next? Not. Not really. The idea that, yeah, he was just put in this mental institution and, you know, the director, Philip Kaufman, said he was like a rock star who lived in a hotel trash in the place all the time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It, or like, you know, one of those like cushy, like club fed federal prisons, you know, where they have like all their amenities or whatever. They just have to like be good, basically. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, it's just it is so interesting because it doesn't just take the point of censorship is bad and you should be able to do whatever you want because like on the one hand yes it does seem to help him to like write these sexy books and stories even though some, they're like so outlandish and ludicrous and sometimes violent and that seems to help him and it seems to help other people to like express themselves fully and become better people through expressing their sexuality but it also like leads to violence and bad like some people take things the wrong way and do bad things because of them so we can't just blanket say censorship is always bad ever like it mm. starts a discussion and i see jeffrey rush's dick yep <laughs> again yeah yeah and, and he goes full monty and kate winslet's boobs but i mean we see them all yeah. the time we've Not seen new. them uh, old news, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. They're always great, but um, they're great in everything, you know? Right. They just they're, elevate they're every right. picture that they're in. If I had boobs like that, yeah, yeah hell yeah. I'd get into acting just so I could show them off. Of and, uh, Michael Caine showed his jowls. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, true, too. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's so, it's one of those movies like, yes, this looks like a stuffy costume drama and it does not feel stuffy at Oh, mm-hmm. and not just because they're constantly talking about boning and making jokes about boning. It's not treated the seriousness of all this. It's like it's like he puts on a play that is just goofy as fuck, starring yeah. all inmates at the asylum who are all interesting mm-hmm. different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think, too, there's something to be said that like as they are trying to crack down on his writing and stop him more and more, his writing gets more and more extreme. Mm. And I think it's saying something there about sometimes curbing these things as the bad, the wrong move, you know? Yeah, it makes it worse. They just just let him keep writing whatever it is he needs to write, Mm -hmm. get it out of his head. But yeah, eventually they're like, no, stop writing. We're going to take your paper and pens away. Your quills, as it were. And he keeps coming up with more and more creative ways to keep writing. That's pretty funny. Of just like, I'm going to use this chicken bone and this grease and I'm going to write all over my sheets. Nope, you don't get sheets now. Like, all right, I'm going to start stabbing my fingers and I'm going to write in blood on my clothing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. No, I mean, it celebrates creativity and self-expression and sex and porn and um, and it's still not like super raunchy or anything. Like it's it's just it's more cerebral and tasteful than that. And yeah, I. Ah. Yeah, it's a movie I think I remember, and then I rewatch it, and I forget how much I enjoy. I enjoy Quills a lot. Mm-hmm. Total recommend. Not stuffy. It's fun. It's fun, for sure. And great, indelible movie art. Like, the the cover of it, like, oh, with yeah. the two of them, that's stuck in my brain for a really long time. It's just a really great, really great shot, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would put Quills in the category of like, you know, it did okay at the time, like critics liked it. It, it made its money back, but just, just barely. And then you watch it a bunch of years later and you want to like start bothering people. Like, why has no one told me about this movie? Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. Um, moving into television. Solid recommend. 2000 after quills if we can um i know we really all put the ice pack to our boners and enjoy the kennedy center on it so. <laughs> <laughs> um, whatever we're talking about mikhail barishnikov i'm so glad you didn't oh, make me say that um, lady boner time I yes. got it. Uh, and placido domingo just kidding and uh and chuck <laughs> you never know and chuck berry um and clint mm. eastwood and angela lansbury oh okay them. um let me see i yeah, there's two i wouldn't do Really? <laughs> it can't be true. I would do Angela Lansbury if she really wanted me to. Is it because he'd want to watch you go to the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, so. that's why I wouldn't do Chuck Berry because yeah. he. I've always been a Marvin guy. Never in the ladies' bathroom. 
And okay. I think Placido Domingo might have gotten me too a bit, mm. which is too bad oh. because he's, um, again, opera singer and freaking amazing. Mm. And he was on Sesame himbo. Street with Placido Flamingo, and it was cool. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Wait, is he one of the three tenors? Hmm? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the one who farts when he hits the real high notes. Great guy. Uh, this this is that that sense of humor I'm showing is why I, what's most important to me this week is the coming together, the slow coming together of Adult Swim and the way Adult yeah, Swim well, does things. Last week we had C Lab 2021 and Brack Show debuting. Yeah, but kind of stealth released. Um, yeah. At, at this point, I think they're flirting with reruns of certain things. But Space Ghost is a popular show, so popular it has now a midday show for kids in the middle of the day. And it's funny to think I may have said it last week, but like you want to talk to them, like guys, you don't have to make everything space Space Ghost. Everything was Space Ghost with the first crop of Adult Swim shows. The Brack Show and uh, Aqua Teen essentially were were spinoffs of Space Goes, and then C Lab Twenty Twenty One is in the same formula. They take an old Hanna Barbera show, use the existing animation, remove it around, and hire new voice actors, recontextualize it. And um, my one of my favorites though that they did was Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. <laughs> that that is a wonderful show. <laughs> uh, I love it. Could you hit that theme? I yeah. love this theme so much. I, I literally, it, it, I learned all of these terms from Harvey Birdman. <laughs> Who, is, <laughs> Who is the man in the suit? Who is the cat with the beak? Do you really want to feel Great theme, great opening. Love Harvey Harvey Birdman. And like just how they did with Space Ghost and Sea Lab, they took the character of Birdman, an objectively stupid fucking character from a nineteen six late sixties Hanna Barbera show from Birdman and the Gyro Kids. He screams Birdman a lot and flies. But now they just cast him as a mild-mannered attorney at law, and his boss is Stephen Colbert, and he's voiced by Gary Cole, and he essentially settles disputes between other Hanna-Barbera characters. And that's where things get really funny. The first episode is called The Ban- the Bannon Custody Case. It is about Johnny Quest's dad and Race Bannon arguing over custody <laughs> of Johnny <laughs> Quest and Haji. And yes, I'm aware this accent won't hold up. Yes. That was the ornithologist. The results were negative. Thank you. Boys... What's this? Executive ball clicker. Boys, um, your father and Race were... Buddy. But now they're not. Understand? Sure. Race works for my dad. Ooh, Race owes Dr. Quest very much big time. It's not that simple. Uh, look, I knew this might be difficult, so... I stopped off at the liquor store and got a couple of magazines, and I think they'll explain everything. It's it's a little dated, but it's it was like the show turning all these like bad stand-up bits into quality comedy... Like what if the what our yeah. Scooby Doo the Scooby Doo and the gang get pulled over for being high and like you know people have been arguing <laughs> for years if they were actually stoners and and I don't know just coming full circle and like reimagining this the largely useless Hanna Barbera library especially like Johnny Quest like I'm lucky I get any of this I I fuck Johnny Quest I have no love for that, that show at all it's it's lucky it exists. And I'm I'm lucky I'm only lucky it exists because the Venture Brothers took everything from it, and it's it's crazy <laughs> to watch this episode to think like oh yeah there was no Venture Brothers that's why they're making these jokes because Venture Brother does all of this much better, um, and then yeah. like way in the wee right. hours of the morning oh but 
I mean, you've mentioned most of the voice cast. Oh, yes. Yeah. Gary Cole and Stephen Colbert mm-hmm. are freaking amazing. Peter McNichol. I <laughs> I know so many people that, you know, they loved him from uh, Ally McBeal or Ghostbusters all the way back to 2. Sophie's Choice or, or Ghostbusters 2. But mm-hmm. this, I think, might be his greatest role of all time of X the Eliminator. <laughs> the, uh, his, the, the arch villain of Harvey Birdman, who Harvey doesn't even seem to know he exists. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> Um, he is the the voice and the movements of him are are just so erratic and quick and oh my god he's so fucking funny and it was one of those things for the longest time of like just trying to like go through the credits and like pause like who the fuck is x the eliminator because that voice is amazing yeah and the whole show's super fun it has a oddly satisfying ace attorney-esque video game if you can find it but again this is adult swim like as they always do like kind of stealth releasing shit and not giving a fuck and this it's almost a year before adult swim is called adult swim and it's almost a year before either of these shows will have a second episode aired but they're just like testing the waters and using cartoon loving fans like me as a focus group and i was catching some of these you you just had to sort of had to be there and it gave you this feeling like you got to be around you never know what you're going to see in adult swim and the same night a much bigger probably the biggest phenomenon to come out of the first year of adult swim if not the resurrection of family guy in futurama was aqua teen hunger force a show that lasted mm-hmm. well over 10 years which is super long yeah. for uh, an, an animated show technically still be going no it's it, it, it did officially Thank end you. I mean, but did they just change the name to screw with us and do it again? Because they it, kept changing the they kept changing the name because fuck your DVR. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we're Aqua TV Show Show now. Aqua TV Show Show, and the, even the the new theme song had a call out. Aqua Teen will never be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it it got started as a spinoff. They tried to put in a Space Ghost episode, but that didn't air. But you can still see pictures of it, and as a bizarre explanation and. The, the creators claim they never wanted them to be detectives. That was just so Cartoon Network would air it because they didn't like the idea of food things that just sit around and talk shit. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have to explain Aqua Teen to you. It's like that is essentially what they do. They stopped solving mysteries a long time ago. However, in the in the year, it's like nine months until Aqua Teen airs again and almost a year until this episode airs again. And it does when it does so, it is drastically different with new scenes. And you can find... I am so pissed. There, every twenty-year-old had Aqua Teen on DVD, and I cannot mm. find mine now. And I may have gotten, I may have given them away. And Aqua Teen DVDs were in like every house I walked into in like two thousand one, <laughs> post nine eleven. Everyone had Aqua Teen DVDs, and there's the uncut pilot on there, and it's like it's hilariously like low. The show was a little low rent already, but it's like wow, they really came a long way after the pilot, and and <laughs> it, it did air. And I got a little clip from it just so I can show you where something came from. A little clip from the uncut pilot that airs this week as opposed to in next September. Good morning, Meatwad. This is a good move. Why'd you dance? Dancing is forbidden. It is mystery time. We have a case to solve. Uncle Doctor, just let me get my tank top. Clothes are forbidden. Let him just wear his shirt. Clothes are forbidden. <laughs> so if you don't recognize that line, you ended up hearing it after the end of every Aqua Teen episode, Dancing is Forbidden. Dancing is forbidden. Dancing is forbidden. 
So that's what that's a call out to the original, the original pilot. Uh, you are hearing mm. remix lines yeah. from that in the ending theme every time. And, and there's people. There's so much debate about what is he saying. I don't understand what he's saying. I yeah. Uh, dancing like is saying. for kittens. No, it's dancing, dancing is, is forbidden. forbidden. Yeah. Now you know. Now you know, people. Um, but I, Aqu- I, mm, what's up, Sarah? I was just say, Aqua Teen was my first introduction to Adult Swim. I assume yeah. it'd be I something you'd hate. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's there on day one. Uh, yeah. with, with Adult um, Swim. And I mean, until much later because my boyfriend at the time was super into Aqua Teen, and I think there was even an event at FSU here when we were yes. like college freshmen. I went with him. That we. Yes, I went with him too. We were both there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. And I don't think about Aqua Teen ever anymore. But then every now and then I'll be out in the world and I will hear a voice like from the next aisle over or whatever. I'm like, that sounds super familiar. I'm like, oh, that person just sounds just like an Aqua Teen yeah. character. <laughs> like, just like Carl. Just in the wild. Meanwhile, <laughs> is that you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Carl is one of the best characters ever. Mm-hmm. Of just, just their sleazy New Jersey neighbor. And it is, it is so hard. I rock and tits and <laughs> chest hair. I've never had to try, but like it's such a hard show to describe to anyone. But it still makes me giggle, and it has a good. It did have a good, decent finale that occurred a few years ago. We did a whole Laser Time podcast about animated shows that actually got to end because most of the time. By the time they get the news, they are like nine months away from the episodes they just like almost finished, so that they never know and get an ending. Uh, but Aqua Teen was the Aqua Teen uh, Hunger Force gang, Master Shake, Frylock, and Meatwad were the de facto mascots of Adult Swim for an- mm-hmm. another decade. Rick and Morty kind of gets to do what they do now, and by that I mean basically Rick and Morty make commercials for products in between all of Adult Swim. Aqua Teen used to do that. Uh, Aqua Teen got a movie. Um, but it was also a merchandising sensation. Uh, and I, I can put it to the test. Go and watch any wrestling match from the year 2002. You will see some Aqua Teen shirts and meet Wad hats in the audience. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I love Aqua Teen. Um, or Ignegnock and Er cleaning out the Boston Tea because of a bomb scare. I'm doing this as hard as I can, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. love those guys. Um, and and uh, mm. I quoted those. When you're unemployed, and I know a lot of you are unemployed right now, mm-hmm. that is the best time to start quoting Ignick and Er, the Moon and Nights, <laughs> because they have a whole thing about, like, we get checks from the government and we spend them on beer, Mexican beer, for that is the cheapest of all beers. <laughs> and I would say that every beers. time my unemployment check showed up for, <laughs> oh, like a year and a half, because it was 2009 and uh, no one had a job. And uh, and and lastly, the la- uh, video games of uh, 2000. We will dig more into this, but I thought it was an interesting side note. Speaking of wrestling, it's the I believe the last ECW game ever released, the Extreme Championship Wrestling Games. Anarchy Rules comes out for Dreamcast, as does Bugs Bunny and Taz in Time. That is how big Taz was in the th- like in the 90s. Him and Bugs Bunny were on equal footing. They co-starred in a game together with all the other Looney Tunes. And very weirdly, like a lot of the Space Jam voice cast is in this game. I was watching the intro. It's just strange to see some of my favorite characters completely lost the time with their original voices. And we did a whole laser time about that this year. Video games holding the final performances of several long beloved characters. But anyway, that about concludes the year 2000. Let's close out with Jennifer Lopez's Love Don't Cost a Thing. And why are we doing that? Wow. Because we have no music this week, I just started going down the charts until I hit something we hadn't played yet. I still <laughs> love this song. It's a great song. It's a great song. And it's got the, a good beat. It's fun. 
Yeah, and the music video is absolutely a perfect time capsule of like the fashions and everything of the time period. <laughs> Sweet. So we'll close out with that. We'll, we'll be right back with your 2010. Stay right there. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 30 2010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two over at patreon.com slash lasertime. We've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. It's a lot of games. Uh, but here are some games I do not love, but have been sitting on sounds for over a decade. Who's that knocking at the door? Hi. Oh, it's Dan Amrick. No, it's <laughs> Hi. It's it's Big Bird. Hi. <laughs> it's Big Bird, and uh, he has a. It's it's one of the first games to have speech in it, and not just speech. Yeah. It is like this is Carol Spinney. This is the voice actor. Um, yeah. A modular Rest version. In peace. Yeah. Of, yeah. The the original and best Big Bird. Let's play hide and speak. Choose a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, he really like there but no enunciate clearly into that mic, Carol, because people aren't gonna be able to understand a word of this. Choose a game. And I, what I really love about it is that like a normal game would tell you like fail, you died, wrong, and it's Sesame Street game, so I can't do that. Find the count. Find Bert. That's Grover. <laughs> it can't tell you got it wrong. So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yay! internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of december 25th through 31st happy christmas happy new year and yeah i recommend that it's almost like it should go without saying like classic film fans are all just gonna nod their heads but if you're not someone who's into classic film and you're not sure of a good place to start one of the best comedies to start with is celebrating its 80th birthday this week, and that is The Philadelphia Story, starring Katherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Jimmy Stewart. It is uh, one of the best screwball comedies ever, and it's also a great introduction to those three actors. It's about uh, Katherine Hepburn sort of doing a self-parody a little bit, is playing this like upper-crust lady who uh, used to be married to Cary Grant. Now she's marrying this other guy. Jimmy Stewart is this reporter who's been sent to cover this marriage. She doesn't want him there. So the whole family starts fucking with him. And then is her ex, Cary Grant, shows back up and is trying to get back with her. But now she's sort of falling in love with Jimmy Stewart. So we got a quadrangle sort of going on. And it's just really rapid fire, rapid fire dialogue. Uh, there's some good physical comedy in there. And everyone is just 
at the top of their fucking game. It's really just like, this is what classic Hollywood could do. It's just sort of the best of everything shoved into one 90-minute comedy. So I double-checked. It's on HBO Max right now. It's fun for the whole family, generally. And yeah, if you need somewhere to kind of start with, like, I don't know where said, you know, there's a hundred years of cinema history, and uh, where do I go with this? Like, Philadelphia Story, good place. You know, it's it's of its time, but it also, there's a sort of modernness to it that, like, they gotta, you gotta glide over some, like, implications that people were fucking, but <laughs> they do it with class and style because that's what you used to do in 1940. Philadelphia Story, easy recommend. Uh, probably one of my top, maybe, hundred favorite movies of all time, just because it just just fires on all cylinders, man. It just, it, it keeps moving faster and faster and sillier and sillier. And that's it for this week. Happy holidays and stay classic. Coming in with Just a Dream by Nelly, uh, because it's 2010. Oh, damn. Is Nelly more synonymous with 2010 or 2000? I mean, I thought 2000, but yeah. he's, yeah. uh, he's in the top 10 on the charts this week. God damn. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah. So. Uh, ending the year with some Nelly, um, December 25th to the 31st of 2010. That is where we're at. Again, this is our final segment of these years in 302010. And I'm... Um, Happy to be here, uh, because Firework by Katy Perry is number one. Hell yeah. And um, new releases are also nothing. However, the year we just covered, 2010, Rolling Stone's Top 500 Albums has uh, one of them, and it's Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. That is the sole representative of 2010 for Rolling Stone's Top yep. 500 Albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a big one. Not going to argue. You know, I, I appreciate them. You got to give music some time to simmer. You True. Know? to look back on it and think about it like that's what we do with the show man marinate yeah and uh 2010 news once again finally Miriam Webster a- adds some words to the dictionary after 2010 filter bubble hmm filter mm-hmm. bubble pretty applicable mm-hmm. you know your social media bubble right yeah. right but like what would have brought that on in 2010 I mean that's that's way ahead of its time for talking talking about bubbles and your filters in ten years ago. People weren't talking about party. that, huh? Oh yeah, tea the tea party. Fuck. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. We saw how great that was, and all the people who started that went on to do more and more noble things. Yeah. Um, it worked out great for I'd say the whole planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It wasn't at all funded funded by yeah, dark millionaire space. money. And uh, gamification, which is someone who was working at games at the time, I was very, very sick of hearing. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember watching a TED talk of like, what about an app that tells you how long you have to brush your teeth? Gamification can make us all better people. I'm like, oh. you're you're not wrong, because when I had Foursquare, that really did make me leave the house a lot more so I could beat my friends and go to more check-in at more places. <laughs> Uh, and, and speaking of social meds, wow, why would they add this to the dictionary? Instagram? Yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, proper nouns in the dictionary. I just didn't know, like, Disney company. Like, what? Like why does that need to be in the dictionary? Instagram. Instagram. But it's not, yeah, Instagram's not a, I, I guess it's technically a thing. When I post on Instagram, I'm posting, we don't say, I'm. sometimes we say I, I posted an Instagram. Did I, did I just sound really old? 
Whatever. I posted on Instagram <laughs> last night. You got to see it, baby. I've uh, been posting a lot of Christmas stuff there. C Antista, S E E. I rarely plug my social media, but that's kind of the only one I use. Best selling Christmas gifts this year the Nerf and Strike or the Nerf and Strike. I'm not sure how this is pronounced. <laughs> Um, and, and a ton of Toy Story stuff. 15 years after the movie Toy Story comes out, Toy Story 3 is also out. And even now, where we are in... When did Toy Story 4 come out? Like uh, like 18 months ago? Yeah. Um, the, the, the store shelves are flooded with forky stuff because Toy Story stuff moves. And a ton of Toy Story merch, including the DVD are among the best sellers of Christmas gifts this year. Um, Because the strength of Toy Story 3, which might be my favorite of the bunch. It's funny that Toy Story merch is so popular because it's like a toy of toys. Right. Right. And I I remember when when before before Disney bought Marvel and Star Wars, their their toy toy revenue wasn't waning. And it wasn't because of Toy Story. It's because... Pixar had the fucking amazing gumption to assign personalities and names to cars, which little boys were buying or having bought for them for like the last hundred years. But now it's Lightning McQueen and his Lightning McQueen car suite. <laughs> it's uh, it, like it was one of Disney's best sellers. And I think when that started, when you went to the Disney store, that was like a corner of the store. And when that started, like, ooh, this isn't moving, it's like, well, we're going to buy Marvel and Star Wars. And then, of course, the one of the best, the actual bestseller of the year, I believe, is the iPad. The iPad. Mm-hmm. And yep. I was like, introduced back in April. Right. Hmm. But and now is the time. Everyone's like, oh, perfect Christmas gift for everybody. And it, it's a weird thing to think about because that's a, that's at the time that was a really expensive buy for yeah. for people for gifts. But I bought my my parents an iPad last year for like two hundred dollars. And I went to go like I'm gonna buy my girl my girlfriend's iPhone six is fucking awful. I'm gonna get her a new phone. Like this is like twelve hundred dollars now. What mm-hmm. be, without the contract, the iPad is the better buy for everyone, uh, for everyone you want to buy a gift. The mini, of course, is what I'm talking about. But yeah, the iPad is still a great gift because it doesn't require a contract. And I was looking through, yeah, like most people would rather buy their relatives and friends iPads and not iPhones because that puts you on the hook for shit. Um, anyway. Mm. And the iPad too, I mean, is like really revolutionary because I think it did a lot for access for people who otherwise normally would not be able yeah. to have access to certain things, mm-hmm. both, uh, oh, yeah. you know, from a sort of ADA standpoint and also from a economic standpoint. Yeah. I mean, if you can have, if you can't afford like a, a laptop, you know, but you can afford an iPad or an iPad just makes more sense for your lifestyle. Like this is a great, a pretty great thing for people i think or or, yeah. or in my or case uh my you're girl- just an older person who's afraid of computers like my yeah. i am yeah yeah something like a kindle or an ipad and that's if you- there's no fancy shit involved you don't know what you're looking for you search and then it's there and yeah yeah. If you, All if you have to do is not drop it. If you didn't, if yeah. you didn't hear my the bonus times from that period, my mother fell down and couldn't call anybody. And the only reason we knew she fell down in the front yard is because my uncle had a smart doorbell and called from St. Louis and like, hey, oh Chris's God. mom is falling down the front yard and she's reaching for her phone and like mm-hmm. can't use her hand. To do that, I'm like, well, that's it. I'm you are all fuck this awful Android thing, which I'll never forget. I opened up her home screen. She's like, I can't figure this out. I opened up her home screen, and it's an ad that told me Rebel Wilson died. And like, <laughs> like, why do you have 
pop-up ads that are very fake on your phone. Uh, fuck this thing. I'm getting you in the eye environment, and I've been teaching my mother all year how to just yell things at Siri, essentially, and trying to get her in the environment to where, like, you don't have to press anything anymore. Just hold this button down and yell. <laughs> um, sorry, that's neither here nor there. I, I realize that. Uh, but the iPad also, on the opposite of... Uh, allowing people to use devices they wouldn't normally get to use. I get to scream from the other room and my girlfriend can ask what happened and I can say, uh, my comic book almost knocked my teeth out. Because when that thing comes down on your face, <laughs> when you're falling asleep, <laughs> holy shit, holy shit. Howard the Duck almost cost me my two front pearlies or the one I have left. 2010 movies! Uh, the 25th to the 31st are final movies of 2010 and boy are they movies. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I shouldn't say that. I, I have anger towards one, but it's like objectively good, and um, mm. I have a definitive reason I don't like the other one. Little Fockers is something I don't care about, but it's number one at the box office. We talked about it last week. This week with an amazing cast, minus James Corden, uh, <laughs> Billy Connolly, oh. Chris O'Dodd, Amanda Peet, James Corden, Catherine Tate, Jason Segel, Emily Blunt, and Jack Black in Gulliver's Travels. Gulliver was a nobody. You're not going to leave the mail room. It's all yours. Just talk. Until he discovered a 3D world. Hello? Is anybody here? Where he could be anybody. We're watching the stories of Gulliver's life. Gulliver. I am your father. No way. This Christmas, comedy. Plus game. That's cute. Comes in all sizes. No way. You got me in the diaper and the dress. I'm not doing tea time with you. Tea time for tea. I, I, I'm, I, to give you a little background on me, celebrating my uncle's birthday today as we speak, when he was uh, stationed in Okinawa, he would send me all these bootleg awesome cartoons from Japan. And one of them was uh, Max Fleischer's, their second cartoon, Gulliver's Travels from 1939. That was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, uh, the Lilliputians, I loved Gulliver's Travels. I loved the book. I believe you go over to Japan, they have a, you can see the remnants of a theme park based around Gulliver's Travels. It's very popular and certain corners of the world it was not must see or must read entertainment over here am i incorrect did you guys grow up knowing what gulliver's travels was yeah anyway, okay. yeah i mean know what it is and mm-hmm. i mean the the image of him being tied down by the lilliputians mm-hmm. is pretty much that's pretty much what people remember about it so yeah you got to look at that japanese theme park because they put you as the lilliputians and Ooh, gulliver there's, there's a giant guy tied down <laughs> that you walk by to like eat eat funnel cakes and i love jack black but mm-hmm. this is like, he even said it, he meets a 3D world and it's just like, none of this looks very impressive and looks really weird now. Like, right, it was made for 3D. Mm-hmm. And and you can see like, there's a lot of perspective shots where like, this doesn't look good on your current televisions, but man, this probably looked pretty cool in 3D because it's Jack Black. He's doing his Jack Black shtick to a bunch of Smurfs and you're looking at it from a Smurf's eye view. And it looks... Very silly and not in three D, but I was just when I was looking at it, like right, this was a primarily shot as a three D film, and yeah, but it's it it pads it pads it to also showcase Jack Black's talents, which he's a very talented comedian and has a bunch of stuff in here. Like the the Gulliver's Travels movie I'm used to is a very tight one hour, <laughs> and this mm. is like a very not tight two hours. I don't yeah. know. Did anybody well, else watch they, this? Yeah, I mean. They they take the parts that people remember, which the Lilliputians are the little Smurf people, mm-hmm. and the Brobdenagians who are giants. And I mean, they said it in the modern day, and he 
lies his way into this like travel writing thing about the Bermuda Triangle and then he gets you know actually whisked away to you know this island where he like becomes in charge of the Lilliputians and you know this little guy doesn't like him this other guy you know is his buddy and then he's like trying to deal with their like internal fighting and then gets he gets cast out to the Brobdingnagians and there's a little girl who treats him like a dolly I mean it's a comedy but I it just I wasn't really laughing I mean right. may, maybe it's just for littler kids yes it's like, a very little kids, kids perfect sorry would probably enjoy this more and I was hoping because I also really like Jack Black and most of the people in this cast are awesome mm-hmm. uh, and I was hoping for something that would appeal a little bit more broadly to grown-ups too and it was just like it's just no it was just the comedy was just too dumb yep and then after a while I'm sorry, it's just like i kind of stopped paying attention that's the perfect assertion one they turn gulliver's travels into a comedy where it's like super high fantasy and 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 then it's it is for very 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 young children it is mm. very i just remember sticking my i was trying to watch part of it and it's like God, that's awful. What an awful, what an awful last couple of paragraphs this movie has been. Oh, it's for very young children. Um, yeah. It's not for me. But it's also like one of the last big things I remember Jack Black's being name being like, like, you know, his face being everywhere, like on buses and shit. Uh, mm. I'm sure there was one or two things I'm missing, but like, is that your recollection as well? Like this, the promotion for this was everywhere. It made its money back, but like, you know, we don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think everyone just sort of like, yeah, the reviews were pretty brutal. Yeah. I was just mm-hmm. saying like, yeah, it's not, it's not very funny. It feels just, I, I got bored or I don't care. And yeah, everyone's talents are wasted. It's not well regarded at all. And I get it. Yeah. Watch the, yeah, ni- maybe little, little kids. Mm-hmm. Watch the 1939 original there, there. That's Captain Chris's recommendation for the week. Um, yeah, and I don't want to read any Jonathan Swift unless it's about eating Irish babies. <laughs> As if not for that recommendation, I th- <laughs> there would be no other way the next movie wouldn't be my recommendation of the week because it's good. Uh, Michael Gambon, Timothy Spall, Derek Jacoby, Guy Pierce, Helena Bottom Card, Jeffrey Rush, again, uh, and Colin Firth in the King's Speech. I can kill your husband, but I need total trust. What was your earliest memory? I'm not here to discuss personal matters. Why are you here then? Because I bloody well stammer! Do you know any jokes? Timing isn't my strong suit. (laughs) (laughs) I I think... Have we been recording Oscar shows this long, Diana? I remember talking about with with this with you on a podcast. I I hated this movie because it's like, this is the exact type of movie that gets nominated for Best Picture every year. And then I watched it and like, well, I didn't know it was the simple story of a royal over, trying to overcome a stuttering problem to be a better public speaker. And like, yeah, you don't have to like sympathize with the Royals, but like that dude has to talk and that has to really suck for him. And mm-hmm. yeah, I really like yeah, this movie. I, yeah. I, I like that, uh, you know, early on they're looking for a speech mm-hmm. therapist for him and says like, well, part of his job is public speaking mm-hmm. and guys, says, you know, well, maybe he should take another job. And like, yeah, he can't. He can't. Um, yeah, he was his born in this job. His job is who he is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I the King's Speech is, I feel like this is, when I talk about middle-brow entertainment, yeah. yeah, this is Perfect. exactly what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. it's, it's good. It's well-made. It, it's got some interesting stuff going on. All the performances are good. It looks nice. It wins awards. But are you going to get a lot out of it the second or third time? Not really. No, it's I, just well made. I tried to watch it again and didn't feel anywhere near as moved as I did the first time. Yeah, 
I yeah. did not see it when it came out, so I watched it this past weekend, and it is technically very, very good, like and, and objectively good, and everybody's doing a great job in it. But truly walking away from it, I felt like this should have just been a one-hour episode of The Crown <laughs> <laughs> because it's already got, like, all the players in it, you mm-hmm. know, and That's, it just... That is true. Yeah. You, uh, Colin Firth gets replaced by uh, Jared Harris, the full first season of The Crown. Same guy. It's a it's it's a common thing with, like, I thought this was going to be, like, the king's speech. I didn't think that, like, we need to talk about the king's speech patterns. I thought it was going to be, like, <laughs> the king's greatest speech. And, like, I will never see this movie. I will nuke any theater that's showing it. But, uh, it, but uh <laughs> You wouldn't you wouldn't think of me as someone who struggles with their speech issues, but please remember I edit hours of my own voice every week and punch myself in the face the whole time. And I know what it's like to like hate the way you sound. I don't know what it's like to over, overcome a a a, 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 a wow. It <laughs> was not on purpose. Uh, the latter part was, but but it's it, to overcome something like this. But like I don't know. Maybe I compare the movie. Like, did you see that that that? video at the dnc of like the kid overcoming stuttering with joe biden it it was like it was moving and it's when your job is communicating and you feel like you're having difficulty communicating you're trying to therapize yourself like i really related to a portion of this movie i don't want to tell you what because you people some of these things are things people haven't made fun of me for yet well that's what i was just gonna say as a side note anyone who feels the urge to comment in a public sphere mm-hmm. about how we talk yeah i just want to let everyone know who wants to do that we know yeah, like, we know <laughs> anything that you're gonna say that's annoying <laughs> about the way i talk i know yeah. i can't help it it's just mm-hmm. how i talk like and but it, and i mean that's true i think for anyone who is in a situation where they are you know, public speaking in any sort of way, like just would maybe think twice before, you know, commenting in a public way about how annoying someone's voice is or like, you know, their choice of words or whatever. We know, we know, we know. Yeah. It's we, just how people talk. Like, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, it's Colin Firth plays King George the sixth, who wasn't supposed to be King, but then, you know, his brother <laughs> abdicated to run off with an American divorcee. And, um, Oh, I'm so conscious of like the uh, ums that I'm going to say now. Yeah, I know it's the sucks to talk about. But, it really does. Yeah, but talking <laughs> talking about how you know he he never thought he was going to get the job, but he always stammered and getting into stammering and stuttering. The psychological aspect that's like you start to talk and then you start to stutter and then it creates this feedback loop and he can't speak and it's like why everything in his upbringing would promote that to make it even worse of his dad yelling at him to spit words out and everyone you know teasing him because he's known as albert or birdie and his family so everyone's going to call him birdie and just like the never ending like expectations on him are so ridiculous for a job he never asked for it's a job he's born into and he just doesn't want any of it he just wants to hang out with his wife helena bottom carter and his corgis and his daughter the future queen elizabeth and Mm -hmm. Also, weird, uh, speaking of the crown, Helena Bonham Carter playing her own mother. I know. Uh, (laughs) There's only like six British actors in the world, so we just got to keep recycling, I guess. I love she plays Princess Margaret on the crown, and she plays Princess Margaret's mother here, uh, who was a bit of a badass. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, just overall, like the the performances are all good. The relationship, I mean, Colin Firth can just do 
it's not droopy dog hang dog sad but there's mm-hmm. just like a tortured sad look to him right. through this whole movie of just i please leave me alone that's just kind of, please leave me alone yeah that's kind of what he does best i think i know i i, I, I never mean, wanted Mr. to say Darcy, this i, I really like this guy actually it's hard to, it was hard to watch too to see how they treated him because as someone I've grown up with some nervous tics and mm-hmm. still have some um, that I try to hide. But when your parents or teachers or people who are dealing with children and they, they you just want to say, tell the kid, like, stop it. Like, just talk normal, spit it mm-hmm. out. Da, da. That makes it worse. Yep. Like calling attention to these sorts of things makes it worse. It just stresses the kid out more and makes it, it exacerbates it. I know this from experience. And so you just don't want to treat it that way. That's just not how you fix anything, if anything yeah. needs to be fixed. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, yeah, it's it's one of these where I was just sort of like, yeah, it's fine. And then watching it again, realizing, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, it's not high art. It's very middle brow. It, it, is, it, is, it is built in a hermetically sealed Miramax environment to win Oscars. And it's in that sense, it is cynical. But it is... Mm. Whatever it, it it works for that. If 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 any detail sounds like it works for you, watch it, and it's you will not be disappointed. But yeah, it's on Amazon Prime right now. There is one calamity that this film has led to. Ooh. I'm going to talk about director Tom Hooper, who Ooh. strangely enough won the Oscar for direction, even though I think its direction is fine, mm-hmm. unspectacular. But the fe- the fact that he's being David Fincher for the Social Network, I mean, that's oh. that's a Shonda right there. But this gave the man clout to keep making movies and he needed to be stopped because he made fucking cats. Yeah. That's <laughs> cats is all his fault. The butthole is cats. You uh. mean he blessed us with cats. I, <sighs> I just, you mean oh the, 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 the last movie I saw in a movie theater? Yeah. Oh, my God. oh my God. I it's on. that's also on HBO right now. And I like my TV was just tuned to HBO and I turned it on just in the middle of like exactly what I knew the movie Cats was. There was a discordant capering and that was it. <laughs> and people sit people singing about themselves. And I was like, sure. well, just save myself some time. All well, right. Good. No, no. Right. Whatever you think is in the movie Cats, it is so much worse than that. You have to watch it. It is incredible. Once, once, you have to see it to believe it. Because what you just said happens, and then Rebel Wilson tears her skin off and starts biting the heads off roaches. These are things that happen in this movie. And it's, mm. it's, it's awesome. It is, it's truly a spectacle to behold, which is why I love it, because it is a spectacle where everybody is committing as hard as they can. It'll, and it'll, I love that It'll be it. on the sizzle reel when, it, when an alien is showing his boss, so why are you destroying this planet? And they'll show a little <laughs> bit of cats. Um, it... Yeah, which I don't know what the fuck happened with Tom Hooper. Like, he he directed some good stuff. I mean, this, which is, it's got a couple little of his stylistic tics. He does, like, long lenses and close-ups for some reason, where you get a little bit of a fisheye thing going when people feel nervous. And then he did Les Mis, which I fucking hated the direction of. Although the performances are good. I hated the entire movie is just close-ups. Yes, what? straight into people's mouths as they're singing like yeah, i had to look into stop it Anne hathaway's gaping maw like <laughs> <laughs> that. i just don't understand that choice at all and and then he just continued terrorizing us with with cats so bad things sometimes come from good things and, and, cats and is a much better experience than weird I, I never thought of this as maybe the movie that will be a high point for tom hooper yep i think that's pretty fair that's, to say yeah yeah i think yeah, 10 years it's out it's good it's watchable it's 
fine. Yeah, I, I, I mean, no huge complaints about it. Uh, I mean, it does have some nice sequences. You know, this I, I do like one choice Tom Hooper makes it at the end as, you know, he the country's about to go to war and he does have to give a big speech. And they choose uh, Beethoven's seventh behind it instead of any part of the film score. And that does just like, gets me right in the chest of like, I feel proud now. I'm proud to be British for a second. I didn't Wait, know, I'm not British. I did not know John Hughes wrote that many of them. Sorry. I, <laughs> late to the Beethoven seventh uh, uh, reference. Yeah, yeah. My bad. And he wrote that under a pen name, so it doesn't work at all. Oh, uh, <laughs> and a couple hundred years early. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's also yeah, that. So. Also that. Yeah, King's speech. It's fine. I bet your mom really likes it. <laughs> yep. Yes, she you does. watch it with your mom yeah. if you're around your mom. Oh, when I told my mom I was watching it this weekend, she's like, oh. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, mom's a, my mom's a developmental therapist who loves Colin Firth. I have not asked her about the King's speech, and I probably oh. never will because she will never stop talking to me about it. Yes. I'm glad we live in a different <laughs> state at that time. Um, the television of 2010, the final television of 2010, the 25th and 31st of uh, the 10s. Uh, we never... Never coined a cool name for this decade, <laughs> but Kennedy Center Honors, Merle Haggard, you're next to Jerry Herman, next to Bill T. Jones, next to Paul McCartney, and next to Oprah Winfrey, which we'll see, like, is having kind of one of the, the biggest years of her life uh, <laughs> at this point. And she's wrapped up her show. Right. And now she's got a network and doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you don't know who they are, Merle Haggard, country singer, Jerry Herman, another Broadway songwriting Merle. legend, Bill T. Jones, revolutionary choreographer, and mm. obviously Paul Buck and McCartney. Who? Yeah. Um, is he the guy and in the Get Back trailer? Okay. Uh, but Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I think so. I don't know what he looks like. So Watch it, people. Fun Beatles is he's fun. the guy from Wings. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's the guy from that uh, Destiny ad. If you have not seen Paul McCartney's music video inside of a video game, it's fucking really, it'll make you hate everything. But uh, <laughs> on, on the 29th, uh, we have the TLC debut of the series. I think a pilot, not unlike Adult Swim, had premiered a year or so ago. The show My Strange Addiction debuts on what used to be the Learning Channel, but I'm pretty sure we just have to call TLC at this point. This is the first episode of My, My Strange Addiction. I remember this caught the eye of the entire internet. My name is Keisha. I'm 34 years old and I live right outside Chicago. And I love eating toilet paper. Montage of shoving things in her mouth. I started eating toilet paper probably in the sixth grade. Homegirl eats half a roll of toilet paper a day. <laughs> I thought this was gonna be the lady who eats her couch. That was the, another that's, one. I mean, oh part of the criticism of the show, it's like, it's not your strange addiction. Some of this is like your strange, I'm addicted to first round draft picks of like, like, shut up. Like, I'm addicted it's to collecting not, this thing. Like, that's no, you have a compulsion. And, yeah. Well, and, and, and people have, juxt- have pica. Well, juxtaposed with like genuine maladies in like, most of the reviews are like, yeah, TLC is airing a freak show. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is, yeah. and they, I think eventually they started adding a segment where they like get these people help but really it was just to gawk at people with horrible maladies yeah but yep. not unlike yeah. the circus this lady eats cleanser ha. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Wow, that's weird. Can you imagine? And, no. And, and if you listen to what's yeah. what's her name's story, like she does this shit when she gets nervous. She eats toilet paper. Her prom picture has like her with toilet paper in her hands. She can get ready to eat it if she feels nervous. Like, sorry, we're all, I I am much more sensitive than I was ten years ago. So I hope you people are because I, I am not doing great. Coasting mm-hmm. off the popularity of intervention, mm-hmm. which also had some criticism about being exploitative, but I do think maybe had a greater effect for people who may have been actually, who've been struggling with like drugs and alcohol or had family members just to kind of show that they're not alone. Da, 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 da. This is just yeah. exploitative. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. This is a, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there are other people out there. It's like, Oh, maybe. I thought I was the only person who liked to eat cotton balls. Maybe. Well, this tells me I should get help. I kind of doubt it, though. Yeah, thankfully, yeah. thankfully, this feels uh, like a freak show. If you feel like it, there is Wikipedia has an episode description of all six seasons. Most of it, no, is not like that at all. It is just some of it's like like people who collect weird things and like the fuck like you know what world i live in tons of my friends collect weird things you should see what's in these gals houses it's disgusting uh but don't talk about my old new yorker magazines i I don't know i don't know where my girl got the impression like does sarah collects old baby photos i'm like did she tell you that because i don't know this and then every time we go to your house like it's just left on the back porch i'm like where did you get that impression that sarah collected old baby photos that aren't her like aren't her relatives i should have have a discussion with her right after this but it's too late because there's no one to talk to oprah is having a big year because she ends her show and 10 years ago well i will save this for next episode but everything stops airing simultaneously on discovery health this week because that mm-hmm. that will be given over to someone's name who starts with an O, and it's still there. I don't know if anything grand became of that entire sequence. Like, was Oprah more seen after moving over to cable? <laughs> no, uh, like, I can't. Oprah no. the person? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Like, I mean... She doesn't. She doesn't like. She has shows that she hosts, but like, she didn't have a daily format anymore. Uh-uh. And I don't think she. I don't even think she hosts shows anymore. I don't either. But but Discovery Health. Um, a valiant attempt by Discovery Channel when they once cared about science and not so much ancient aliens and and restoring <laughs> cars. Discovery Health uh, goes by the wayside to to make way for own, which in its own way was probably a little more healthy. Um, it is pretty sad to see like the way that that Discovery TLC and the History Channel have all gone. Yeah, <laughs> like Ugh. all the learning channels are just like yay. Their, their pitches, A-A-N-E. their pitches and funding for networks were making us better and they move to making us all worse. It, yeah. <laughs> it's the most depressing part of channel drift in that sense. Meanwhile, and, PBS is reigning supreme on <laughs> actually doing anything that make people better. I, I know, but it's still like, you still have to get through like three hour documentaries about fucking bean irrigation. Like I, That's the last thing I watched with my girl's dad was a two hour documentary on bean irrigation. Like there's a reason this isn't on a channel with commercials. It would never survive. But, but anyway, that is almost it for the show. We got to tell you who died and who lived during this period. We have a quiz for you and a video game to tell you about that's just called Rascals, which is things with skulls and it's spelled R-A-S-K-U-L-L-S. Um, more, we'll talk more about the games on uh, patreon.com slash laser time supports this show and the whole laser time network. New sick of star Wars this week, including a, a brand new episode of 302010 games where the guys from video game apocalypse, our weekly video game show come and talk about everything that came out uh, an entire month period, celebrating all the anniversaries of everything. 
with, I believe, what did we say, 50 years of collective experience in the games industry. Di, where can people see you at? They can find me on Twitter at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And teasing next week, we only have a couple movies to talk about because it's you know the very beginning of the year. It's things getting wide release. We'll also look back on everything from 1990-2010 that we recommended. Mm-hmm. But to tease actual movies, Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor are falling in love. Oh, that movie's so good. Okay. Movie's so good. Um, movie is fantastic. Well, die who who died this week? Twenty. Oh, he only did. They found uh, this week in the year 2000. Jason Robards, who lost him at 78. Uh, really great actor. I mean, just for like 50 years, just in fucking everything. I I don't know. I I'm stuck at what I should recommend because he just popped up in everything for so long. You would know better than me, but um, uh, Magnolia was the movie that I remember being his last right. i believe that's yeah. his last movie tom yeah. cruise's dying dad and i saw him in one of the thing i thought he was astounding in but there was like a 40 year difference in that period and, and yeah. i i looked for it before the show i couldn't find it he is my favorite part in the terrible montage and the terrible show inside the actor studio where james lipton does what is your favorite dirty word and everyone's like uh uh, balls and bl- and I don't like the F word and then <laughs> Jason Robards is just schmagma <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard a human being say that word on television and I'm lucky I know what it is wow. <laughs> um, yeah let me see what should I recommend I guess uh, long, day, long Day's Journey into Night Once mm-hmm. a Time in the West oh, Love Once Upon a Time in the West so oh, so good in that all yeah. the president's men. There you ah, please, Ben Bradley. All right. There you yes. go. Yes. Jason Rollbuds. We hardly knew ye twenty years ago, uh, but you know what that means. It means time to who found it. It was born birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. We got an old one. Someone's turning. 86, and I swear to God, if I have cursed her with this, I I might chop off one of my fingers, Yakuza style. I am oh, so upset. Okay. But still with us at 86, born December 28th, 1934 in Ilford, Essex, England. She's an Essex girl. She went straight from high school to the national stage, fixture at the Royal National Theater all through the 60s. She scored her first Oscar nomination playing Desdemona opposite Laurence Olivier in his version of Othello. Maggie Smith? It is Maggie Smith. God damn it! Nicely done. What? How did that happen? Sarah, what was your thought process there other than cheating? Uh, She's old. Oh. Uh, No, Sarah. Sarah has the Dominion app, which talks to some Mark Tech and has cheated her way into a win. Of the, right at the end of the year. Bullshit. Damn. All right. Well, also, she played the title role in Head of Gabbler, directed by Ingmar Bergman on stage. Uh, she was made a dame in 1990. So it's 30 years of her being a dame. Uh, she has two Oscars for The Prime of Miss Jean Brody and California Suite, where she plays a woman who loses an Oscar during the movie. And we talked about her in The First Wise Club, Tea with Mussolini, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hallows Part 1. She has a Tony, four Emmys, three Golden Globes, and five BAFTAs, and to be fair, most of those are for Downton Abbey. Yay! Maggie Smith! Gotta get her that Grammy. Yeah. Sarah, prove you didn't cheat by saying, say your favorite Maggie Smith movie and prove you didn't cheat. Uh, Downton Abbey. 
Oh, that's not well. It's not a movie, it. but I do have a movie. Hey, it it actually did come out. Yeah. I saw it in the theater. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I I recommend Prime and Miss Jean Brody is a, is a wonderful little British film, and I recommend it to everyone who only knows her from Harry Potter movies because you'll be like, oh my god, she was hot. The, yes, true, and also she's really really great in First Wives Club, which I also have to recommend every time it comes up because it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. The, the correct yeah. answer was. Sister Act Two, back in the habit. That, nope. that <laughs> <laughs> no, it's she'll always be McGonagall for most of our listeners and me included. I think and, that's that's pretty fair, but yeah, yeah no, Prime and Miss Jean Brody or California Sweet or oh, um, Murder by Death. I love her in Murder by Death. She's so fucking funny as <laughs> like part of the fake Nick and Nora Charles. I love that movie so much. Well, that is about it for the show. I cannot thank all of our listeners enough for staying with us through this endeavor. It's this this concludes five straight years of 30 mm-hmm. 2010 it is kind of my favorite thing that i do i don't know that i do it as well as i want to <laughs> sometimes because it's it's kind of hard to be an expert in all the things we talk about but by the time i'm bored with the subject i'm talking to one of my friends about something they know about on a different subject i love the nature of this show cannot thank you guys enough for supporting us at patreon.com slash laser time and telling all your friends about the show and i'm sorry i had to work a genuine thank you into a very fucking acidic plug but here we are (laughs) here we are well i just also want to say you know thanks everyone for listening uh hope you have a happy and safe holidays i am so happy to say that next week we will be talking to you from 2021 Mm. i am so sick of this year Mm. my god 2020 has been the worst for everyone Mm -hmm. if you've had a great 2020 i don't trust you you must be doing something evil yeah it's like people had a good time in middle school (laughs) yeah it's your problem. I don't, I don't believe you. No. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would say, though, is that for the past, like, three years, every year coming out around, I was like, fuck this previous year. On to the next one. <laughs> and they've gotten successively worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be so... the wet blanket, but it's not going to get better. <laughs> it's... Eventually it will. Yeah, maybe. But at least Who knows have when. I have to start making maybe. grandchildren so they can tell me in heaven that it got better. So <laughs> you're going to want to donate to my dick working fund at patreon.com. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have any more dick pill ads here, people. I'm 40 years old. How am I going to procreate? Now that, that joke's worn out. What are we closing with, Dime? Uh, I mean, dealer's choice. I, I threw a Wilson Phillips song in there because it was Hell high yeah. on the charts in 1990. But if anyone's got something you feel like wraps up the year nicely. How about some uh, beatboxing from the King's Feet? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's one thing we didn't even mention. Why it's rated R. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's rated R just because he yells, fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck. I think I counted like seven and you can only get away with two. It's so stupid. And it was like, and and they went back and was like, "Could you please make this PG 13 They're like, "No, you said the f word." It's like mm-hmm. so stupid. Just Can you imagine? In the middle of him just yelling, "Fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, 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 fuck." In the world we're dealing with, the theaters are going to have to fight to survive. You're like, you're telling me I can't let half of the film going audience in here because they said a naughty word when they could watch whatever they want everywhere else with no such. Ooh, it's going to be an interesting fight because it's not about censorship at this point. It's about fairness and. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry, sorry. That's more bonus timey talk, which I did with our buddy Matt, Maddie Allen, um, Maddie C. Allen on Twitch, who's worked in the film industry about the death of movie theaters, which I'm not happy about in the slightest. <laughs> not just because I miss movie, I'm going to miss movie theaters, boo hoo. I'm like, there's no way this makes for better movies. No way. Mm. Nope. And, and, and that, that, that price you're paying for your streaming service, it's going to skyrocket so you can make more DC Universe movies, and it's going to suck. 
Well, since we're talking about the King's Speech again, I think we should close out in the classiest way possible then. Sorry, Wilson Phillips, but I think the end of the year, it deserves Beethoven's seventh. Sweet. So we'll close out with that. See you guys next year. By that, we mean next week. We love you. (laughs) 